guys. Welcome back to the Living Room Podcast. We are here today with the three amigos again. We have Joseph Castillo, our small groups pastor, Randy Dane, our executive pastor of ministry, and myself, Michelle Masterson, Connections Minister. Thanks for listening. Everyone's favorite. <laughs> <laughs> uh, was that your impression of me? No, it was my impression of me. It was your own. <laughs> yeah, that, was, to be. that was way more Michelle than Joseph. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Oh, man, it's good to be back. Well, this week, uh, we are stepping really into the culmination of the Gospel of John these next few weeks. And uh, this week is actually about the crucifixion. And uh, it is full of some deep theology, but also some really practical things for us to discuss together. So I'm excited. But my first question may sound random, but I, I, I promise it connects. Man, what is one fact about you that most people, maybe even some of your friends, don't know about you? Do you have one? I want you to go first. <laughs> I feel like I'm an open book. I feel like there's not that many things people don't know about me. Um, usually if I have to share like a fun, silly fact about myself, I go with the whole like I can fit eight quarters in my nose <laughs> <laughs> or two nickels sideways. But everybody knows that. Um, I feel yeah, like that's people know def- that. No, no, <laughs> no. You don't think people know that? Yeah, I guarantee you, the majority of people listening to this podcast aren't like, oh, that's Michelle. That's the quarter nickel nose girl. If (laughs) you've seen program highlights, you've seen that my nostrils take up the majority of that screen. (laughs) It's how she paid for school lunches when we were in high school. That's true, because I'd make $2 every time they didn't want those quarters back. (laughs) Yeah, that was was a lunch. (laughs) If people wanted me to do it, I made them fork over the quarters. (laughs) If we have any kids listening to this podcast, please do not. Please see me on Sunday. I'll show you. Wait till adulthood With to your stick quarters. quarters in your nose. Yeah. I think that's a good one. I don't think people okay. listening know that. I mean, I don't know. I think if you if you know me, you you think I've got a fairly low need for order, you know? Like if you see my desk, if you see no. uh, you know, who I am and how I live, but I have a selective high need for order. Uh, selective. selective selective yeah like when it comes especially to the the arts oh. uh, i have a deep value of the arts and aesthetic things and so uh that's true like i love i, f- I see culinary as art i was gonna say especially the culinary <laughs> arts yeah and so i uh i have that's a one high way to need say for order and tita he liked to eat <laughs> yeah. i have a high need for order in the culinary <laughs> But I also like to cook. But uh, you also like to plate. Like I've been, like you I do like to plate. We plated. eat with our eyes first. That's exactly right. But I've been. I'll just say this is a funny conversation about like I is someone just picturing Randy with like which I, I I believe happens. But you're like plating these beautiful things and making these incredible dishes. And last week you just told us how you throw everything in your pantry on top of pizza. <laughs> but I do it with order. It oh, you better it. believe I do. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna distribute that salt He's across like the salt pizza bang. evenly you bet i am uh very high need for order when it comes to food but also like another example of my high need for order and the arts and aesthetic things is uh, i like to arrange flowers mm-hmm. and we like to have fresh flowers at our house and and people that just buy the bundle and stick it in a vase like <laughs> you might as well not buy the flowers mm. i'm going to take the time to cut them arrange them and and to to honor what God has created. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> 
like tater tots. <laughs> like tater tots, yeah. Like I, I'm known by some, but not by all, for how I organize tater tots on a sheet pan to cook them in the oven. Like I will do them in rows and columns like an Excel spreadsheet, man. Mm-hmm. It's like, ooh, look at F5. I'm going to yeah, eat that can, one. You can pick out F5. <laughs> that, one, that one really goldened up nicely. <laughs> Let me distribute some salt across it. Looks like H7 could flip. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm particular when it comes to the the finer things, <laughs> like tater, like tater tots. tots. <laughs> but, but don't expect me to have a clean desk or a cleaner car, mm. cleanish car, like cleanish. Like I'm I'm I am opposed to cars that have like filth, but a little bit of you know paper trash. Mm. Never Leftover heard yogurt cup. No, that's filth. <laughs> But, well, we separate. <laughs> yeah, your that's seat's not fair. Your that's front seat's real clean, though. That's not fair. That same day, like my children will eat the yogurt cup on the way to school in the morning. It's not going to be there you the next what, day. Well, you know what I think your children do to you? I think sometimes they put things in the cup holder of the mm. back seat because there have been things there two weeks in a row. Oh wow! And I've thought to myself, they did it to him. He doesn't yeah, know. So. No, because I'm I am anti. <laughs> like you, you get in the the mom car. That they just have no scene control, and there's just like French fries on the floorboard. That disgusts me. That is a, a lack of stewardship. Shout out to all the moms, though. Right. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, I got a mom. Disgusts me. I feel your pain. <laughs> That's because you live. That life. I do live that life. I live that life. In your back seat. Yeah, you have. You disgust. And you know what? I don't go back there. <laughs> Stay up front. That's between everyone else and God. (laughs) You're like, that's why I never offer to drive. (laughs) Like, I will say that poorly arranged flowers is more disgusting to me than a French fry on a floorboard. (laughs) Oh, obviously. (laughs) But they both disgust me as a lack of stewardship. Oh, stop. So yours, yours, Justin? Yeah. I don't know how to follow that. (laughs) I, too, can put 10 nickels in my nose. No, you can't. (laughs) Look at those holes. Those things are tiny. He's not even getting a penny. Lucky to get a diamond A dime. Um, (laughs) Really, try it. You'll be surprised how little you can get in your nose. Uh, I was trying to think about something. I guess you guys probably know these things. Um, I think my go-to, this is not personality, this is just history, is I grew up, the sport I played wasn't uh, football or soccer like my grandfather would have wanted. Uh, I grew up playing ice hockey (laughs) in South Texas. Oh, I forget that. And he loved me in spite of it. Uh, And I have a high need for order in my bed. (laughs) (laughs) tell us more it needs to be clean (laughs) like my kids crumb free yes Yes. oh my goodness if i feel a single crumb in my bed it's like i'm cleaning the sheets right now Mm -hmm. and my kids just they're the best that makes but they're the worst are there people who are tolerant like adults who are tolerant of crumbs in the bed i think they're out there (sighs) uh you don't your y'all's dog doesn't sleep with y'all right no that's best uh, but yeah, I also can't handle sticky things like on my hands. I, if I'm on a sticky table or I get anything sticky in my hands, like it's over, it's over. And having little kids is also <laughs> really hard to live that life. So the other day I went and ate. Your kids a, strike me as sticky. Too. Oh yeah. Yeah, you seen where they live. Yeah. <laughs> this feels really uh, discongruent. Uh, it's like uh, my my life. I'm like you can have every other space, but this one, this is my spot. <laughs> Please. 
Oh, yeah. But the other day I went to eat and it was like a chicken biscuit sandwich from a place I'd never been before and someone recommended it. And I went to grab it and the top was covered in honey. And I was having a conversation and I like grabbed it and I freaked out. And I was just like not trying to let anyone see my reaction. <laughs> I would totally respect in any home if there's like an an adult syrup bottle and a kid syrup bottle, <laughs> so that we don't have to use their syrup. Yeah, to touch that side, it's bad, man. Well, we went a long time on that question. <laughs> Better connect, Joe. Yeah, yeah. let's Better see connect. how you do this oh, to the crucifixion, so, buddy. <laughs> yeah, let's see how we're getting here. Okay, uh, the reason I asked you the question of things people don't know about you is because in the midst of Jesus' crucifixion, we have the hindsight uh, uh, of really seeing the full picture of what's going on here. Including the resurrection, right? Yeah, yeah. And so I often just think about when you read the crucifixion accounts in the Gospels, that the people who are there really have no clue the full story that's taking place. And And for them, what they're witnessing, what they are a part of, is literally the most hopeless situation that could ever exist. Like, not only is their friend getting killed, but their savior, their messiah that they've waited on, the hope of that dream is suddenly over. And so, what I want us to think about and talk about today is with the the full picture, just going back and looking and and recognizing that in the midst of what is so hopeless, there is, there is, it's filled with hope. And uh, it's filled with just reminders that God is in control in the midst of all of it. And I think it applies to us today, too, in our own situation. So, you know, as we read in, in John 19, um, it, John moves pretty quickly. He goes through this happened, and this happened, and this happened, and then Jesus was crucified on the cross. And pretty quickly, <clears throat> it comes to the end, and it says that Jesus, uh, his final words were um, that he essentially cries out that it is finished. And then he, he gives over his spirit and he dies. And so I just think that phrase, it is finished, really is the culmination of Jesus' ministry so far. Everything has led to him being in this place, to being on this cross, to him finally getting to this moment and saying that it is finished. So I just want us to talk about what did Jesus mean when he said it is finished? It's a pretty powerful statement. Um, what did he mean? I think we think about the reality that the the crucifixion means nothing without the resurrection mm-hmm. in the sense of if Jesus doesn't raise from the dead, then he's just like the guys that were crucified on his left and then on his right, mm-hmm. right? He's just like the people that were crucified the week before and the week before and the week before they stayed dead. So that's absolutely true that apart from the resurrection, the crucifixion means nothing. But because of the resurrection, the crucifixion means everything, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so like it's not just that we find our hope in the resurrection. That's my point. It's also there is so much hope in the crucifixion of Christ because it's in the crucifixion where he's that once and for all sacrifice. He's that atoning sacrifice. The blood of Christ is shed on the cross. And man, that's where the hope is for the forgiveness of sins. The resurrection is where the hope is that that's actually effective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't help but think about the song that we'll sing on Sunday. Um, it is finished. And I remember the first time I heard that song, the first time we sang that song, I was like, man, that really says it well. And the first verse says, the cross is my beginning, the line drawn in the sand, the end of all my striving. Now I am born again. And then in the chorus is where we hear his words. It says, it is done. It is finished. Christ has won. He is risen grace is here, love has triumphed over death forever. So I love that 
picture, that mm-hmm. word picture of love triumphing over death in such a, like the literal picture of that is not beautiful. You know, like mm-hmm. there's there's somebody dying on a cross and but what it accomplishes is so beautiful. And then I love the next part that says the cross needs no addition. His mercy is complete. So I also think about finished as in just the completeness of it. Mm -hmm. And his love is not in question. The son of God has spoken over me. Strongholds bowing to the savior, resurrection power over every circumstance. His word stands final and forever. It will not be shaken. He alone has won it all. So I also love that picture of resurrection power over every circumstance. And I think there's an old hymn we used to sing too that has the phrase resurrection power in it and when you think about what that actually means like that's ultimate power and then it says over every circumstance so it's it's comforting it's peace to know that that same power is in my life in me well, and part of what is finished is the sacrificial system too right like the the source of atonement, which is ultimately a grace, mm-hmm. um, but it's a grace that requires maintenance and striving. Um, that's finished. That's over. Yep. You don't have to sacrifice any longer because Jesus has done the once for all sacrifice. For all. That's finished, you know, and that's where our striving is ended in that Jesus is enough and his death on the cross is, is more than enough for needs everything no that we need for salvation. Yeah, it needs no addition. Uh, another way that is it's finished is like this is he came to die. That he was born to die, and here is his death. He came to to live to be that sacrificial uh, savior, and here it is. Here is the culmination of his mm-hmm. earthly ministry. Mm-hmm. You know, and like, and that is finished. And he had said, like, think about where we've been through the Book of John. He had said over and over and over again, "My time has not yet come. My time has not yet come." Well, here it is. This mm-hmm. is what his time was about. It was about this death on the cross as a sacrifice for our sins, and and that atoning sacrifice. Yeah, I love that we're having this conversation because I think that just those three little words are so key to our entire faith, because when we talk about it's complete, it's done, it's finished, it needs no addition. So any any belief system, any faith system that says it needs to be that and, it needs to be that plus, mm-hmm. is false. And that's to say what Jesus accomplished, that resurrection power— that's not quite enough. I need to put my own, you know, spin on this yeah. too. Well, I think I want to add this question too. What does it look like when we live in a way when we don't believe that it's finished? Like, what is that? Mm. How does that play out in our lives? Yeah, I, mean, I think it's the opposite of resting in the finished work of Christ. It, it looks like striving. It looks like adding work to the works of Jesus. And there's a million ways that, that you can do that. Some ways that are very formal and, and overtly religious. Uh, some ways that are more subtle in our lives mm-hmm. and, and they creep in and we don't realize that, that that's our mindset and our motivation. Um, but man, when we really understand and it is finished kind of theology, uh, we find rest and peace in, in, in God and, and in what God has done and provided through Christ on the cross and in his resurrection. And it's in that space that we worship and man, we just delight in the Lord and the gospel. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's, that's it. Man, that's, that alone is our source for peace. Yeah, when you ask that question, when I think about myself personally, the way I would have to answer that question is I can see 
um, that sometimes it's, it's any time that we want to take those things back into our own hands, my own salvation, back into my own hands in some way. And I would never want to admit that that's what I'm doing. But I find myself sometimes like almost wishing that things were formulaic because mm-hmm. that would put me in control, right? And so even when I have some prayer that I am earnestly asking God for, I find myself thinking like, what can, you know, what can I do for God? Like, well, if I'm asking him for this big thing, then I better be doing this mm-hmm. big thing or, you know, and I I don't even mean to do it. And then I realize that I am doing it. And, and ultimately, that's trying to manipulate God. It's not only saying, let me add to what you've already done, but it's trying to manipulate him. And so that's yeah. how that's how it ends up looking in my own personal life. But I think it's like Piper says, right? Like he is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. Yes. And that satisfaction comes in the it is finished, like really living and believing in the yeah. it is finished. That's where our souls are satisfied. And and just believing the, and, and living like grace is enough and he's enough, like that's the greatest way to worship God. Mm-hmm. Not that our actions and our, and our, our own personal holiness isn't important, but I will say I don't believe it's as important as a soul at rest right. with faith in the gospel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you said it a minute ago, delighting in him. Like that's what he wants from us to delight in him. And when we delight in him, those actions and the way we live are pretty likely to follow, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that the danger of moving into that space where we 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 try to manipulate and we subtly believe that our works matter more than they do. Um, that's the space where we're stepping away from delighting in Him. Mm-hmm. That's the space where we're stepping away from the the effectiveness of the gospel. Yeah. You know, yeah. And we got we got to search our hearts for that and work that out of our hearts. Mm-hmm. I think there are a million ways that it, it looks like played out when we fail to really believe the truth of what Jesus is saying in this moment. And I think some practical ways that I just wrote the other day were you know suddenly maybe we look up and our relationship with God becomes a checklist of things I have to do or do's and don'ts. Uh, we worry and doubt. We wonder if God's pleased with us. Um, we feel like we have to continue to do this activity or uh, in order to keep God in our favor. Or you'll wonder if the trial we're experiencing is because of something we've done and if God's mad at us and we're wondering if he's pleased or not. And I think there are a million ways, but I think those are just some real practical ways too. And it's like many of us feel that. Um, maybe day to day or or in seasons. And that really is, those things are tied to this promise that Jesus said, it is finished. Um, I have done the work. The striving is over. Just trust and believe in me. I do like the way this, our approach to John is wrapping up and and coming together at the end. And the fact that like this coming Sunday, which is Palm Sunday, uh, we're actually just having a week that's focused on the cross and the crucifixion. Mm-hmm. Because so often the way we do this is we put crucifixion and resurrection together. They're both of utmost importance. Uh, but being able to just focus on the crucifixion uh, and its value and the it is finished, man, that uh, mm-hmm. is good Good, yeah. good preparation for Easter. Yeah. Like, I don't know about you guys. Like, I'm a, I'm a, a kind of a positive, optimistic type. Like, I like to get to the resurrection, uh, <laughs> but I think it's important to hang around the crucifixion a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking that the other day too, because we've been in. I mean, we we did Palm Sunday how long ago? <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> you know, been a minute. Yeah. When we covered John, so I I agree. I like that we're getting to camp out here and really think about it. 
Well, I wanted to read this for us. First Peter 2 verse 21 says, To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. And throughout the New, the New Testament writings, it will tell us that Jesus has left us an example that we are to follow in his footsteps. And here we see him on the cross. Uh, John 15, 13 says, Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. That's exactly what's happening here. And so if we take that to heart and think about, we are to follow in Jesus' footsteps and the example that he has left for us. And then we see him here on the cross bearing um, the, the burdens of, of his people, his friends, and, and giving his own life. My question is, how does Jesus' sacrifice on the cross challenge our own perspective on selflessness and sacrificial love? And then what are practical ways we live that out? I mean, what a perfect continuation of the conversation we're having. Like when you really live in and believe in the it is finished, uh, then you're not striving to, to sacrifice in a way that makes you approvable uh, to God. Approvable? Is that a word? I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, but the idea is this: like then, then the the work of Christ on the cross motivates us. It's what moves us into following in Jesus's ways and becoming more like Him as a response to His grace. And so, ultimately, uh, it challenges us in every way to live like Jesus and to be selfless and sacrificing. I was listening to, of course, Tim Keller this morning while I was getting ready bum, for bum, work. Bum. Bum, bum, bum. And um, he was talking about kind of generosity versus sacrificial generosity. Mm -hmm. And he was talking about how people who have something to give, plenty of them are more than willing to use their influence or their power or their status to be generous to others. They're willing to use, you know, their financial margin to be generous to others. But, but very few people are willing to actually give up the status itself mm -hmm. for others or give up the, the thing that you know, brings them that financial margin for others. So that is what requires sacrifice. And so it makes me think of that like, like what does it actually look like to exercise sacrificial love? I like that. I like that big idea and in, in that, that call to, to true sacrifice. Uh, but I also like to think about even the most mundane and small things, right? Like, what does it look like to live sacrificially and selflessly in, in our homes with yeah. our spouses, with our children, you know, those kinds of things. And, and even in the most mundane, like, man, I'm going to have to choose tonight at the end of a long day when everybody's tired from doing all the things that we had to do today. And I'm going to have to choose, am I going to choose me or am I going to choose her? Like, am I going to get off my butt and forsake my comfort or my convenience or my laziness or whatever and go do those dishes? Like there is some sacrifice in that, mm -hmm. but it's like going and doing the dishes in those moments. Like we, we were living like Jesus to our spouses because we're putting them above ourselves. And you know what I mean? Yeah. Like even in the most mundane, it's like the difference between doing the dishes or arranging the flowers. The arranging the flowers, that's something you want to do, but mm, the dishes. That's writing, that's writing a wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it needs to be done. Dishes uh, uh, do too. Nah, yeah. I mean, they're both for you, but one you enjoy. Sure. <laughs> 
Uh, I think it makes me think about in Philippians, the Apostle Paul wrote uh, that that Jesus uh, made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, that he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And that ultimately the example he's left us is many things, but ultimately it all boils down to being a servant and that he, his incarnation, him showing up, his birth, all the circumstances of his life, uh, the fact that even ultimately culminating in his death on the cross and dying a death he does not deserve, he's just a servant. And man, just like, like you said, there is no scenario where I can look at something and think, "Oh, I'm deserved this. I should. This person should do for me because of X, Y, Z." It's like, no, I'm a follower of Jesus, and He has done everything. Well, that's what me. I'm trying to say. Like serving, do- and, and serving like Christ doesn't always look like getting up on a cross you know yeah yeah. i mean there's that's it's we die to ourselves Mm -hmm. and there's some super selfless very Mm -hmm. sacrificial kinds of things and jesus Mm -hmm. talked about it sometimes it's daily cross in some ways the small mundane things are harder because i don't know this is going to sound weird but like in in like a big you know display that is kind of what it is sometimes it can be a display and like it can become something that maybe you even get credit for, but those small mundane things that happen all day, every day, like that's just you and God, you know? Yeah. So you're telling and me. And your spouse. <laughs> and your right? spouse. So you gotta be careful not to <laughs> manipulate not those situations either. Yeah. So you're telling me I need to leave those crumbs in the bed? No, no. <laughs> I don't think that's uh, cleanliness is next. Even though that's not that enough. That's just Bible. my kids. She my kids. Like, what are we talking about? Like chips ahoy? <laughs> just bags of chips, right? Bags of chips. Uh, it's like, no, nah, I'm kidding. Could you sleep in your back seat? <laughs> <laughs> Looks like I do. Uh, okay, my next thought is I just want to talk about what's the significance of when we share the bread and the cup together during the Lord's Supper, and how is it connected to this moment of Jesus' crucifixion? I mean, ultimately, it's a reminder. That's what we're commanded to do in the Lord's Supper is to be to be mindful and to remember and to honor what Christ has done on the cross. Mm-hmm. It really is about the cross. Uh, talk about camping out on the cross and, and remembering its significance. Uh, it's about celebrating the shed blood and the the broken body of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the the connection is 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 absolutely hundred percent. And and the idea is that in that. Um, we're celebrating that that he has done that it is finished once and for all sacrifice that completely atones for us and it's a it's a proclamation a declaration of faith in the gospel that what Christ has done on the cross is sufficient for me and that's where I find that rest that mm-hmm. that peace with God is in Jesus alone mm-hmm. yeah. it makes me think about Jesus uh, when he has the Last Supper and when he holds up really the, the the bread and the cup and in a tradition that they had done for thousands of years and here he is and he gives them new meaning and this is before he gets to this moment but he's really pointing to this moment he's saying hey this bread has always represented something it no longer represents that this represents my body which is going to be broken this cup always represented this well now it represents my shed blood for you and they're probably like confused <laughs> well, and i don't think we honestly can understand how controversial that mm-hmm. is for jesus to say this sacred 
ritual is actually now going to be about me. me. Yeah, we don't we don't get that. We're not mm-hmm. Jewish enough to get that. Mm-hmm. And I just it, it always makes me think about he's pointing to this moment. Like that's the moment he's pointing to, and so I just I I, I always hope to remind myself of that when we take the Lord's Supper together. My last thought, when we look back at these moments uh, at the crucifixion, we see that, again, the witnesses, this is the most hopeless moment of their entire life. Their Savior, their Messiah, has just been killed on a cross. And yet, when we go back and we look, we see that God is in control the entire time, and there is hope to be found in the midst of all of it. That He's pointed to this, that prophecies hundreds of years in the making have all led to this moment, and when it feels like all hope is lost— God is working. And even when they take Jesus off the cross and they bury him and, and they perform all of the rituals thinking he's actually dead, he's this is over, God is still working and they have no idea what's coming in a few days. So, in the same way, what does it look like for us to find and hold on to hope uh, during our own difficult moments in life? The word that comes to mind for me, that, and, that, and that is the, that God is Redeemer. Right, like there's no loss, no grief, no sacrifice, no struggle mm. uh, that God can't and won't redeem. And recognizing that that it is true that He works all things for good, um, and so even the hardest, worst, deepest hurts have are are, are are able to be used by God for redemption. Yeah, I come back to that phrase, resurrection power, and um, just the power that we see in that moment in in the in the midst of um even his crucifixion that that was power also um because of what it was accomplishing because of what it was doing and then of course he was resurrected and that was that power um but kind of like Randy was saying like it makes me think that in the in the midst of something that does seem hopeless i can know that whether I get to see it or not, God is using it somehow. Mm-hmm. Like, like God is in control. God is powerful. That sometimes, honestly, doesn't make it any easier, mm-hmm. but it does make it more hopeful. Well, and, and also to add to the, the reality that like, Christ on the cross is the apex of God's redemptive plan from all the way back to the garden and in, mm-hmm. in, in eternity past, right? Like, this is this moment is the apex of God's plan. And yet what we know is that in the crucifixion that the heart of God is grieved. Like he's grieved. God, the father is grieved over the sacrificial death of his son. Jesus himself is grieved. You look at Jesus in the garden before the cross and he's asking the father, if there's another way that that this, this could go on without me having to sacrifice in this way, like you see in his humanity that Jesus is, is grieved deeply about what he's about to go through. So like just knowing the grief of God in the crucifixion and that even though God is working the hardest things in our life and has the power to work resurrection power into the deepest hurts, we can also know that the heart of God is grieving with us in that loss and in that struggle. It's this this really amazing both Mm -hmm. and. Grief and also what on the surface looks like defeat, but it couldn't be any more opposite. But Mm -hmm. I think that's how we feel sometimes. We Mm -hmm. just feel defeated and... You know, when we have that perspective, that changes mm-hmm. it. Yeah, bit. well, and just remembering too, like last week we talked about the kingdom and the upside down kingdom, and it's in his up, upside down kingdom that the greatest losses uh, can be celebrated and turned into the greatest wins. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I love that you said that, Randy, that God works all things for redemption. And the power of perspective is huge. You know, they have no idea that just in a few days, the greatest news ever um, they will receive. And it just reminds me when I go back and look at some of the hopeless moments in my life, perspective and being removed and seeing more of the picture really just reminds me God was working the entire time. Yeah. And holding on to hope takes a whole lot of heart. Mm -hmm. It's not easy to do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And this last thing I wanted to share, one of the things I'll talk about on, on Sunday is just this, this idea and this quote that, man, oftentimes we treat faith or we think that faith is going to be an epidural, that it will be something that will instantly numb the pain, take away the pain, cover the pain. But the reality is faith is actually like a midwife that's saying, hey, I'm, I'm with you. You're not alone. And this isn't the end. And uh, I just think it's a good reminder. Faith doesn't make it all go away. Faith is just reminding us this is not the end. And there's something better on the other side. And sometimes you're in that pool, you know, giving birth. It's, it's messy. But midwife, yeah, that's a disgusting analogy, Joseph, but beautiful at the same time. So helpful. Again, shout out to all the moms out there. So helpful. Yeah, moms. I'll go ahead and cut that one. <laughs> really? Oh, man. Well, the, the good news is there's great news next week as we pick up on Easter. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't stay dead. He is alive. He is alive. All right. Well, we love you guys. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next week as we celebrate Easter. <laughs>